Hello, and welcome to another episode of Reframe Your Brain. Starting with episode 11, Danielle Kent and I are doing something different. Each week, we'll be sharing conversations with a variety of people talking about what they're reframing in this challenging and pivotal time of COVID-19. If you want to share a story about something that you're reframing, reach out to us on Instagram at Reframe Your Brain. Good morning, Shell. Hey, good morning, Leah. Uh, would you mind introducing yourself a little bit for our wonderful listeners? Sure. I'm Michelle Ferrier, and I'm from West Burke. I have um, a wonderful family, a husband, and two teenage kiddos. I've been a speech pathologist for seven years. And around, around that time, um, my husband and I started a business, Dream Acres. So we have a farm with a variety of different animals. And um, I do speech therapy. Either I'm contracted or um, families can come to the farm to get their speech therapy. I love the name of your business, Dream Acres. I think that's just really sweet. <laughs> Um, well, our first, our first horse that we ever were given, um, it was one of our first animals. Her name was Dream, so that's where that came from. Oh, that's so sweet. Yeah. <laughs> so, Shell, <laughs> um, so you're here today to talk a little bit about what you've been reframing or rethinking over the last couple of, of almost two months at this point, um, and I know you've got a lot of wonderful ideas. So I'm excited to hear about, about those things. Yeah. Um, so I guess I'll start with work, work-wise. Um, I had to kind of quickly learn a new platform and it was kind of, um, it was a work in progress. I uh, often use the expression progress, not perfection. Mm. And those first, those first couple of weeks, I really had to adopt that professionally. <laughs> um, learning, learning the technology, supporting families with the technology, um, kind of reestablishing rapport um, using uh, a different, you know, using the Zoom. Mm. Um, and in the beginning, that was tricky with preschoolers. So I kind of fell back on my farm a little bit. Mm -hmm. And in the first couple of weeks, we really spent a lot of time, like me showing them the animals. Um, you know, I have this one guy, he's not really a talker, mm. but I found out if I bring up his cat, he'll just talk and talk and talk and talk. So kind of finding those um, little avenues because it's a little bit more uncomfortable, I think, for them being on the video. Mm. Um, for my older kids, it was easier, but for the little ones, it was really hard. Uh, I think for families too, mm. uh, learning, trying to let them know that it's okay if their brother and sister jumps into therapy. Um, kind of being more flexible, I guess. Mm -hmm. That's kind of where I've had to really reframe. I think 
of you as such already such a flexible and um, like responsive person that it's sort of hard to imagine what more of that is like, like what the even more <laughs> flexible and responsive version of you is like. Um, oh, <laughs> I'll give you an example. So yeah. um, being really goofy, you know, and I, I tend to, that's what I like about preschool is mm. you get really goofy. Um, but my son came down one day and I had a song on and I was trying to break up the therapy. You know, we were doing an activity and then we did a funny song and I was dancing and singing and my son goes, you know, if people didn't know that you were doing therapy, <laughs> they'd have lots of questions. <laughs> this is your teenage son, right? <laughs> and my teenage, my 16 year old, he was a little unexpected for his mom to be like dancing and singing in her office. That's great though. So, yeah. <laughs> um, so when you were talking about this idea of like progress, not perfection, um, is that something that you have sort of practiced? You said that you had to do that more in your professional, professional role. Can you talk a little bit more about that? Yeah, it's always been something I've thought about with my like fitness goals and, um, some other areas of my life, but it's not really something that I had um, leaned on very much professionally. But I think, you know, like you said, we've been doing this for about a month and a half and mm. I can go week by week and kind of see the progress that, you know, each telepractice session gets a little bit better and mm -hmm. a little bit better. And I think we're now at a point where um, there are some really great pros about it. And I yeah. think, you know, those are the things that I'm trying to focus on. I think. What are some of those, what are some of those pros that you would <clears throat> say? Um, I think for the, the littles, uh, the family is such a big part of therapy. Mm. So what I've noticed is in the beginning, families were kind of, you know, watching and, um, happy to be a part of therapy, but now as the weeks have gone on and they know the goals that the kids are working on and they've heard how I do it, yes. at the end of the session, they'll be like, oh, you know what? This week, so-and-so remembered his S-blend for asking for spaghetti. Oh. So I think the knowledge of knowing what the goals and what we're working on and seeing it, they're yeah. carrying it over at home, which... I think they're going to have such great gains because of that. Does that make you wonder at all about, you know, how, for those who don't really know or have much experience with speech therapy or even, you know, special education or specialized services, a lot of that happens at school and it's, or all of it typically would happen at school. And it's really challenging for parents to be super involved because they're usually working or if they're yeah. not working, they might have other kids that they're home with or other reasons that they can't be at the school. And some, sometimes teams are really creative about keeping parents informed and really showing them what's happening at school. But I wonder about this, like for families who see the benefit of being so involved in therapy, I, mm -hmm. I wonder 
how that could look differently and whether teams are thinking about that. I mean, I know a lot of school teams are super overwhelmed by this transition to teletherapy, especially for kids with significant needs. And, and yet I wonder whether the families who are feeling involved in different ways, is anybody thinking about how it could be different as this, you know, as eventually as we move out of this, whatever this is (laughs) and whenever that happens, but uh, you know, in the future, have you thought about that? I bet I've, a little bit because I think that's one thing, you know, as we, like you said, move out of this phase and go back to school, that's one thing I would like to hold on to is how, you know, how is it better communication on my end? Or maybe it's a video of therapy that can go home so mm-hmm. that the parents can see like once a month. But it would be nice to have something because I think. The kiddos are making great games, but also I think the families are feeling connected. Like yeah. we have more of a connection. Yeah. You know, I know them by first name and I know their cats and <laughs> I know, you know, all the toys in their playroom. And mm-hmm. so it would be good to have to continue that in some way. And you're in a pretty rural area of Vermont. Have you found that tech like internet access has been a challenge or um you know technology in general has been challenging for families or was that sort of an initial thing and it's been kind of worked out um initially i think a lot of families had to learn the technology piece Mm -hmm. um i do have two families that it's not unfortunately they don't have internet So, you know, they have to be mailed and talk on the phone. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's hard because you definitely don't have that same, same connection. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, otherwise, most of them have been able to do the Zoom practice. Um, Are there, are there any other things that you've been rethinking in terms of work or life that you want to share about? Um, let's see. Well, I've gone back to, it's funny because I think it's about having more time. And so, you know, I've kind of, things have been so busy with teenage kiddos that we haven't done as much with our farm and, um, kind of just going day to day, getting through, you know, schedules and what the kids have lined up. Um, I kind of like the slower pace that we're in right now. Mm-hmm. Um, we're spending a lot more time with the animals. And I noticed that, you know, with my kiddos too, I really like, you know, they're both teenagers. Mm-hmm. So I think that um, it's hard for them to not be around their peers. Right. But all of this time, I definitely think our relationships are stronger mm-hmm. because we get to see them more. And um, we're always trying to build in fun, kind of creative things to do from home. Yeah. So that, that piece, I'm really liking. And I don't know if it would have happened without what's going on. Right. So. I, yeah, I can remember you describing like, you know, driving from kid event to kid event and working in your car in between. 
Yeah. And especially, yeah, go ahead. No, I was just thinking, you know, I've had more time. We've had more quiet time to talk Mm -hmm. and have those connections. And um, yeah, and with busy schedules, I don't know if that would have developed on its own. You know, when um, Danielle and I talked um, a couple days ago to sort of regroup after doing a bunch of these interviews, one of the things that came up for her was the same, the same thing that she's not working as much. So she has time to focus her creative energy on um, developing aspects of her business that she's wanted to develop and spending time with her kids. And, you know, before we, you and I started this recording, you were saying, oh, I bet you have a lot of ideas about things too. And this is something I've been thinking about because I feel like it's true that we have more, we have less to like try and fit into our days. And so that feels like we have more time and more flexibility. And I also feel like there's a component to that that's really about some of these social expectations not being so present you know, that Mm -hmm. the structures and the institutions that sometimes establish like how you'll use your time or provide an example of how we can use our time and how we feel compelled to follow that example, because it's what most people do. Those things aren't, you know, those things aren't as they're closed right now. A lot of them schooled, some people's jobs, you know, some, sometimes that's a hardship because the financially, and culturally, I wonder if it's a way to reevaluate, are those systems really serving us that keep us so busy, that tell our kids they need to be involved in all these things, that tell us, you know, you have to work from your car because you didn't have enough time today to do all the work that you thought you needed to do. <laughs> you know, what's the, do we really benefit as much as we think we do from having all those things in place? And now that we have this opportunity where our time is less, our time belongs to others less. It's an interesting, like, I'm intrigued by the way that people describe them. Like this idea of having more time (laughs) on the face of it. I feel like that is what it looks like. And I wonder like, what are the layers below it? So it, I, that's something that a lot of people have mentioned as we've, as, as I've talked with them. So I'm just curious about it. I think it's more, it's more meaningful. Mm -hmm, For sure. Um, Like I think about my day now and I wake up and, you know, I know there are things that I have to do for work and I kind of plug those in, but then I'm like, you know, I want to take a walk. So this morning I went for a walk, which on a Monday morning, I never would have gone for a walk. I never would have made time for myself to go for a walk. Um, And then, you know, with the kids, a couple of nights ago, we had a bonfire Mm -hmm. and it was so much fun just listening to music and spending time together. And I think there's more opportunity for that because they're not going places, Mm -hmm. but I think it's more meaningful Mm -hmm. because I think we also know we're lucky to be in a place that we can do things like that. Yeah. Yeah. And we're healthy. And so I think, yeah, it's more meaningful too. Mm Mm-hmm. And I wonder whether the meaning comes from the fact that it's like, you know, self-directed. It's not, Mm -hmm. this is the time you will spend with your family and have bonfires. (laughs) 
as designated yeah. <laughs> by, you know, some organization of, you know, society. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, it's like, it's this thing that has sort of flipped a lot of that on its head. And, um, I don't know, it makes me think a lot about how, as a culture, we make decisions about the things that are important to us and how we decide what those things are, um, you know, and less so about like, what's the right or wrong way. Like, that's not really what I'm thinking about. It's more just like, what are the factors that influence us mm-hmm. so that we ultimately are making these decisions to not have, you know, bonfires, <laughs> to not ha- yeah. make that time, you know? Um, so anyway, that's just, since you had asked earlier, <laughs> that's one of the thoughts that I, <laughs> that I've been, you know, thinking about and evaluating and um you know i i think this relationship that we have with time and the idea that like there's more or less of it and is kind of um is just really fascinating to me as a as a you know a lot of people talking about how things are so much slower and the pace feels so much healthier and um knowing also that for some people that that hasn't been an option to really slow down Mm -hmm. and then there's this like friction between the like energetic friction between people who have the um the luxury and privilege to be able to embrace this time as a time to slow down and people who really don't and what does that say about like how we value different people in our society and who gets to embrace this time as a <clears throat> as a break from being kind of directed by big organizations, big structures in our society, and who doesn't? Um, so anyway, I get very like big philosophical really fast. So we can bring it back to you no. now, Shell. <laughs> no, but I, I think that's what I like about all this because, you know, at some point we're going to move back into those crazy mm-hmm. um, schedules again. And so now you have this like time capsule mm-hmm. on your podcast, mm-hmm. you know, this, this moment where we had to reflect and how we, you know, what we thought about it. So hopefully when that pull comes to get crazy and busy and, you know, to fall back into our old habits. Right. We'll listen to this and maybe, you know, yeah, hopefully be more mindful, I think. You know, I was thinking about um, how long it takes for something to become a habit, you know, for how, how many times you have to do something for it to become part of your routine. And yeah. there's a piece of me that wonders with this, like social distancing and quarantining and or whatever, you know, self-isolating, you know, staying home so much. Um, how how long does that go on? Well, I guess depending on how long that goes on for, I wonder if the pushback to returning to super chaotic, busy lives will be different. You know, as yeah. as summer approaches and um, the idea of like in Vermont, we already know that school is not going to happen in person for the school year. So as we get closer and closer to summer and people are spending more time outside and things sort of shift in terms of social isolation, distancing, um, I just wonder what the longer, will that be enough time to change our perspectives about the benefits of being so busy? 
and yeah i don't know <laughs> and i think we'll it depends out. on the the person too yeah yeah it's funny because when i when i knew we were going to do this i started asking people i said hey my friend leah is you know interviewing me for a podcast this is what we're going to talk about and so i started having these conversations with you know friends that we zoom to have like yeah. date nights with a glass of wine or whatever um and we started talking about it and i think it depends on the person because i think there are some people who are in this place where they're embracing it mm -hmm. right mm -hmm. they're kind of like this is the way it is um I'm going to flip it and I'm going to make the, you know, the best out of it. Right. Um, spend more time with family, do those things that I can do. Mm -hmm. um, not worry about all the other things that I can't do. But there are some people that yeah. I think with talking to, they haven't had that flip or that aha, you know, like I'm in control of how like I move forward with yeah. this kind of thing. Yeah. I wonder about that, you know, listening to some of my friends who are teachers talk about the way that, you know, their middle school students are generally doing pretty well, as long mm -hmm. as they were doing pretty well before all of this started happening. <laughs> you know, the ones who were struggling socially or struggling academically or struggling at home, you know, with, you know, challenging home environments, those kids are still struggling. You know, it's not like, right it's not like those things have gone away and now they're just less visible to other people, which I think could make that even harder. If you are someone who was really struggling with something beforehand, like, you know, family situation financially, like obviously those things haven't changed, you know, just by right. not being around other people. And I wonder about, like for younger kids, as they sort of emerge from this, what will this experience, how will it affect their empathy? And, you know, having mm -hmm. this like absence of social connection, will they be hyper aware of other people's feelings? Because it'll almost, I'm imagining it, they'll have to be some kind of like reteaching in the schools about how to relate to people. Um, yeah. And I wonder, I, I think, you know, adults will probably not get as much of that because we don't really have like places where that happens. Um, I guess some communities maybe would do, but, you know, I, I wonder like the people who, you know, aren't, <clears throat> the people who are struggling more with this period of time and have a harder time envisioning it as something like, potentially different from what was before if um, yeah if like the people around them will have more empathy for them more compassion for them not so much that that person who's struggling needs to do anything different but like will that be responded to differently and more supportively i wonder absolutely <clears throat> that's really cool shell that you were talking with other people about this <laughs> <laughs> well, it's just fun, you know, because it's, it's something I think to reflect on while we're in it um, yeah. and not, not to wait till after. And um, yeah, it was fun to see some of the different ways people were thought about it 
Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, it was, it was a good conversation for sure. If anyone wants to be on the podcast, you can tell them. <laughs> Anybody's welcome. I will let them know. <laughs> uh, I, I know from others who I've interviewed, but sometimes it just takes asking a couple of times, like maybe four or five. <laughs> yeah. Just to say, you know, it's not, it's just a conversation. And like um, this idea that like you have to have something brilliant to say, you know, or you're not, it's not worth listening to you. <laughs> like, I just don't believe in that. So I think it's important to, to have a variety of perspectives and a variety of um, sentiments. I mean, most of the people that I've talked to so far, I think have been pretty, are generally people who look for sort of the positive side of things. And sometimes I find myself trying to pull out like, okay, but what do you think is not so positive? Like, what do you, or, you know, it doesn't have to be in this framework of positive and negative. We can like think about that differently, even, you know, like what's just different or what, you know, what would you want to, what are you doing now? We were talking about this briefly before we started recording, but like, what are you doing now that's different from before? that for whatever reason you weren't able to do before and you want to continue it. Like mm-hmm. you mentioned you're walking this morning and that typically on a Monday my, morning, that's not what you yeah, would be my, doing. Yeah. The walking. And I think, um, you know, it's been fun. I've been going live with my animals on the dream acres site and that's fun too. Cause you forget that not everybody has horses or goats yeah. or, things like that. So that's been fun to share. And, um, that's something I'd like to continue doing. Why, why do you think that's fun for you? What do you like about sharing? Well, it brings me back to, you know, kind of why my husband and I started Dreammakers, which, um, I think, you know, as I was going through the graduate process, I met this amazing SLP and, he really taught me that rapport, you know, if you could get, if you could get a good relationship with your client or patient or student, everything else will just fall into place. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was really important to me. And I started to notice working as an SLPA in the schools when kiddos had a hard time. If I talked about my animals, mm-hmm. that would often like draw them out of whatever hard time they were having and it gave them, you know, something easy to talk about. Um, it helped establish that, that sense of rapport. Mm-hmm. And for a lot of them, it gave them something to talk to their friends about because mm-hmm. maybe at home, you know, they don't have animals or they don't have opportunities or, um, so just giving them something to talk about too, I think was helpful. So that's why I'd like to get, get back into that. Because now a lot of my kindergartners, um, because I've drawn the farm into our session, mm-hmm. sometimes it's showing them the bunny or showing them the horse, um, or sometimes it's a funny story. So I had this one kindergartner, she'll hop on, she'll get really close to the camera <laughs> and she'll say, okay, what is it this week? And she's not a kiddo who will initiate that kind of um, communication. Right. So I've seen the farm do that, like just draw in. Um, 
So this week I have a really funny story for her and I can't wait. I can't wait to share it with her. <laughs> I think that's so wonderful that like just what your everyday life is, is, is what is so intriguing. You know, that it's something that the farm is part of your everyday life. It's not like you have to, you know, buy something or like make some fancy materials or you're just like, well, what's right around me that I can use to connect <laughs> with these kids. And I think that that is really, um, that is sometimes it's, it's easy to overlook like what is right around us when we're thinking about like therapy, mm -hmm. you know, quote unquote materials. Um, yeah. and, <laughs> and that by showing, you know, these young kids like how you interact with and appreciate with or appreciate the animals that you have and the you know sort of the environment that you live in it's a really great model for them too um to just you know they don't have to look so far and parents too you know to see like we don't have to have like special things to convince our yeah. kids to interact you know or to help address their communication challenges we can just use what's around you happen to have you know fuzzy creatures around <laughs> which is maybe different from a lot of people um <laughs> but, but I think it still is a great example of um you know rethinking a little bit about like what what's important about um like the value of what we use during therapy. And, and if it's something mm -hmm. that's important to you, it also increases the connection that this, that your students have probably to it because they see that it's, you know, so those animals are important to you and you are important to those kids. And so there's a little bit of a, you know, there's a technical term for that, but like they like you, so they like the animals and they like the animals, yeah, so they like yeah. you. <laughs> Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, which is also really cool because that's not something that you would typically be able to do in the schools. Like you would talk about your animals, like you were saying, but to be able to like really, you know, in the moment, bring them into the animal spaces and um, yeah, it's such a, such a nice, like, it feels very like nurturing you know, for, for everyone, it's kind of like connecting, connecting to live things instead of, you know, what's this picture of the donkey doing? <laughs> exactly. Well, and I've noticed for families too, because um, I started with it that first day, it kind of, I don't know, it, it takes the pressure off too a little bit. Um, mm -hmm funny because I heard one mom saying oh what does Shell have at our farm today you know <laughs> so it just, I think for parents too it's kind of fun for them to see yeah and it relaxes them a little bit you know it's not therapy but it is therapy but it's more about you know the farm mm -hmm. um so I, I like that component too because I've noticed that the families are interested in what's going on yeah. and it's helped me build a connection with parents too so. Yeah. What's your, um, I guess, let me go back to the question that I was thinking about before I <laughs> took us in a different direction. Um, this idea of things that you have started doing um, in the last couple of months or month and a half that 
you would want to continue doing that for whatever reason there wasn't time or you didn't have the interest in those things before we were home so much um but you would want to continue in some way after or as we sort of gradually return to something more like what was before I need to get some new terms for this, like before and now and after and all that stuff. I know, I know. There has to, there'll be one. I'm sure yeah. they're going to come up with some kind of term mm-hmm. for it. <laughs> um, so I think I want to continue. Um, I don't know how to explain it, but I think that a lot of what made us busy before was always planning for the next day or mm. the next, do you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. spending so much time getting ready for the future and our schedules and all that. Um, I really am liking this um, living day to day kind of in the moment. Um, so I, I would like to, I'm, that's something I'm hoping to hold on to a little bit more. Mm-hmm. I think even though I tend to be a flexible person, I'm very rigid and my, you know, like schedule schedules and work and mm-hmm. you know that kind of thing and so I'd like to be more flexible and let go of the need to get it all done in yeah. one day um yeah I think having more time with just my kids you know to to connect in this way mm-hmm. and not filling filling their day with so much like go 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 mm-hmm. um and then getting back into why we started the farm, like trying to draw the animals back into, because that's originally why we started um, Dream Acres was this whole idea of, you know, using the animals as a way to make connections and build rapport mm-hmm. and, you know, give these kiddos who don't often want to communicate reasons the communication. Yeah. Do you imagine that there are certain pressures or barriers that you might encounter to like maintaining that focus on the day to day? Yeah. I think, um, Learning to say no. <laughs> <laughs> What's that? <laughs> Tell me Learning more. Learning to say no. <laughs> no to things. Um, and not feeling like I have to be at everything. Mm-hmm. Um, I think those are two things that are you know hard for me now. Mm. But hopefully I can knock down those barriers. I was thinking about... Um, you know, as, as you were saying that, it's like, it would be really cool to have a, like a support group almost. So that when someone asks you to do something before you answer, you like text your group and you say like, someone is asking me to do this and this. And just like everyone automatically (laughs) responds, say no, you know, like there's, (laughs) there's no other response that they give. It's just like that, that reinforcement from others of like, yep, you're validated in your thinking that this is too much. And you're reaching out and saying like, is it, is a like huge red flag? Yep. Say no. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Great idea. (laughs) 
um, <laughs> like a kind of accountability <laughs> yeah um, <laughs> I wonder about um you know the way that that like when thinking about your kids and the age that they are, do you ever think about how shifting and being able to like preserve sort of ownership of your time, what, how they see that, you know, as opposed to being at everything. And like you said, like committing to things and over committing. Yeah. Like, do you think that they have a sense of that? as, as, as being like, there are two options or maybe even more than two. Like, have you, I wonder if you've talked with them about that or if it's on their radar at all. You know, I, I haven't, we haven't directly talked about it, but I've noticed that my, um, especially my son, you know, he'll, he's, um, he's always good about like when he's playing basketball and, there was a game down in, oh, I can't even remember where. It was like Brattleboro or something like that. And, I, and he didn't end up playing. But we went because we wanted to support and be there for him. And mm-hmm. after the game, he was like, hey, you know, Mom, I was thank you for coming. Aww. So even though we haven't had those conversations, I think he, he recognizes that we're always kind of at, you know, making that time for them. Yeah. I was thinking about that because I've been taking this um, course that I've mentioned, I think in a couple of their episodes through, it's like a free course that Yale developed. Um, I think there are other um, universities that have developed similar programs, but this one is called the science of well-being. And I was just watching it last night. It's like a series of video lectures about the things that we think make us happy why our thoughts about that sometimes are misleading and encourage us to make decisions that don't ultimately make us happy um, and how we can sort of interrupt that and evaluate like what really do we want and how can we also be happy with essentially what we have. Um, Yeah. and And it's a college class. So the woman who's teaching it talks a lot about like the pressure that students feel to, you know, get really good grades, to get the good internship, to get the good job, to get the, you know, and it's always this like work really hard right now, so, so hard to get the really good thing, to get the next really good thing. And I think about like your kids being teenagers and they're not in that college phase yet, but I know like I can remember there's a lot of pressure. There can be a lot of pressure to be thinking about those things and be thinking about like achievement and accomplishments, you know, standing out and, um, and how different that feels from this time right now. Mm-hmm. And I just wonder how like kids, your kids age will incorporate this like pause that's happening and whether it'll affect some of that like rat race mentality. Um, yeah. You know, even if it's not about like good grades, good job, you know, there's still, like this idea of like achieve, 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 and like keep moving forward in a sense and not so much of that in the moment. And I wonder how much of that conversation is like filtering into their reality, even if they're not talking about it. So 
Well, and I think that's a good point. And I, my son, especially, um, he is an athlete and he's at a uh, national honor society kid, you know, he gets mm-hmm. really good grades. Um, and he is always thinking, you know, today I have to do this, 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 and this, you know, like he'll go through his schedule and he's always checking his grades. Wow. So we have had a lot of conversations in that sense. Like it's okay, bud. This past week he had vacation and yesterday he had an assignment, but he really wanted to go fishing. <laughs> and I said, so dude, you're on break. Go fishing. Yeah. You know, the work will be, the work will be there. Right. So right. I do think for him, this time of um, slowing down is really good. Yeah. Uh, Cause it, it is hard for him to just chill and relax and, not have an agenda mm-hmm. for the day, mm-hmm. you know. Um, whereas my daughter is the flip. You know, she's very like she's embracing sewing and she's into her music and, um, yeah. One of the other things that I learned in this course was that if we, if if the only sort of parts of our life where we feel like we have the skills to meet this challenge, whatever challenge it is, if that um, experience only happens in a work setting, then people report like lower levels of happiness, as opposed to if we have, you know, these quote unquote leisure activities where um, we're doing something that requires a certain degree of skill and provides a certain degree of challenge that we that people report a higher degree of happiness. And I think about like, I mean, your, your son playing basketball is probably one of those things, you know, it's like something he yeah. really enjoys and how, like when I think about people I know and what they do when they're not at work, it's sometimes hard to think of things that, um, you know, bring like a degree of challenge and require some degree of skill that, that, um, that people do when they're not at work. Cause so many of us are like, I'm not at work. I just want to like veg, you know? <laughs> um, but it was really interesting to learn about this. Like we think that we either have to be like working or relaxing, mm-hmm. but that like this idea of going fishing that requires some knowledge requires some skill being patient, you know? Um, and just probably a lot more, rewarding for him than if he'd finished that assignment and then it was just done, you know, and to be on to the next thing that he needed to finish. Um, yeah. It's, you know, it's really, I, it's, I find it all just so like interesting to, I'm definitely someone who enjoys learning and finds it kind of relaxing. <laughs> uh, so the fact that I'm doing this course right now is sort of funny to me, but <laughs> um. <laughs> so, Shell, I think maybe you've talked a little bit about this, but um, the last question that I have is about, you know, how you're supporting yourself through this time, you know, to feel grounded and feel just keep your sanity and um, how you might be supporting others to do that also. Would you mind talking a little bit about that? Yeah. Um, for my, (laughs) for myself, um, exercise is my, Mm. is my thing. I love 
walking and running and biking. Um, I'm hoping to get my kayak out soon. Mm -hmm. So those are my, and so every day I'll choose one of those things, one of those things to do. And that's kind of my me time. And um, yeah, it's, I, I just like it. It's very peaceful. Mm -hmm. um, I also think, you know, it's funny. I not usually a person who likes to talk on the phone. Because, mm -hmm. um, well, partly because my reception down where I live is so poor. <laughs> <laughs> but um, so I, you know, like lately I've been going for drives and like I'll, you know, find a good place to call like my sister and a lot of my friends. Um, just because, you know, I miss the social connection mm -hmm. of seeing friends at work and that kind of thing. Yeah. I also have um, a lot of different friends and we'll meet on Zoom mm -hmm. and just, you know, have a, have a date night with a glass of wine and I have another friend. We're going to do a cooking together. <laughs> We've got this dish that we usually go. We love Thai food uh -huh. and there's this great restaurant we always meet at in Montpelier. Oh, and, yeah. Um, we're not able to do that, so we're going to do it on Zoom. We're going to cook <laughs> together and have the meal together, so that would be fun. That's so great. I, so I think for me, exercise mm -hmm. and connect, you know, this, this social, Connecting. like even the interview, mm -hmm. I was so looking forward to talking to you and, you know, having yes. a conversation. Yeah. It's It's been, I, I can say, like, I'm not someone who... Mm -hmm. You know, I probably would describe myself as a little more antisocial than social. <laughs> Just, I think, because I interact with so many no. people during the day. <laughs> you say no. But it's not, like, I really no. enjoy my time away from people. I think because mm -hmm. I typically interact with so many people. So it's been really um, nice to have these conversations with, mm -hmm. like, a, a variety of people who I otherwise wouldn't see on a regular basis even nor you know normally I wouldn't see the people that I'm talking to, and it's been a great reason to reach out to people and um, you know talk about things that I think we don't make space to have conversations a lot of the time when we're all so busy. Um, yeah. So I can appreciate the social piece. And, you know, there are definitely days where I'm like, all done, all done with Zoom, all done with computers, all done. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I really like your, your creative um, approach to, to your socializing, like the cooking is fun. I, as I heard someone else I know um, who usually does like a monthly, um, like they have a group of friends and they do like a monthly dinner and one person, a different person cooks each month. Um, and they all go to that person's house and have dinner and they started doing something similar where I don't know if they're cooking together or if they just eat together. So they all do their own cooking <laughs> of the same thing. And then they all eat together on Zoom. <laughs> oh, nice. Um, yeah, I, I, um, just want to thank you so much for for being willing to come on the podcast and share your experiences and talk with me and I love hearing about your farm <laughs> so <laughs> oh you know. well thanks for having me yeah and thanks for getting us to you know 
reflect and think about this and think about these times? I think these are really, really good questions to be asking. Thank you. All right. Well, let's see. Um, I think um, the last thing I want to say is just that if you or anybody that you know who listens to this is interested in being on the podcast, that, you know, like I said earlier, people are, anyone is welcome and you don't have to have anything earth shattering to share. I think the point really is that everyone's experiences are, you know, it's valuable to hear anyone's experience. And even if your life hasn't changed at all, that that's, you know, perfect. That's a great story to share. And, um, and if you've got some like really creative ideas about how all sorts of things could change and you haven't had anyone to talk about with them, like I'm your person. So (laughs) (laughs) if you're like, my ideas are too wild for the world, this is the place to share them. (laughs) So thank you so much, Shell. (laughs) Awesome. Thanks, Leah.